For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hello, how's everyone doing today? Excuse me, this is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Obesity. This will be the conclusion of Spiritual Obesity. There has been at least 15 episodes and for my new listeners, for my new listeners, if you are if you are just tuning in and you're just a curiosity listener or anything like that, I have been doing a series that's called Spiritual Obesity. Now, what I want you to understand first, spiritual obesity is just an allegory that I use. It's nothing you will find scientifically, and it's nothing you will find scientifically in the Bible, spiritually in the Bible. It's just a a metaphor that I use to describe the uh, traditions and the dogma and the, the false doctrine and the traditional teachings and denominationalism churches. So I use the metaphor as obesity, a person that's obese, obese, physically overweight by eating bad junk, bad diets, lack of exercise, and mainly bad diets and bad food. Physically, I've I done a, 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 ten, uh, a 10 part series on physical obesity. Now, spiritual obesity is just a spiritual way of looking at looking at being overweight and a bad overeating diet. I use carbohydrates, bad carbohydrates in a physical obesity series. And this spiritual obesity series, I'm using like a spiritual carbohydrates, which is bad doctrine, bad dogma, traditional teachings and stuff like that. So that's what I mean by spiritual obesity. The church, predominantly the church as in the body of Christ. The church as in the body of Christ is spiritually overweight. With Bad doctrine, bad teaching, traditional teaching, and all that other stuff that has uh, filled the church up with uh, wrongly divided doctrine instead of rightly dividing the word of truth according to Second Timothy 2 and 15, the teachings of the Apostle Paul. So it's just a metaphor 
that I use spiritual obesity and that term for the ones that's just tuning in. I've done 10 episodes of that. You can just, uh, I mean, I've done 15 already in order to, uh, to get the meat out of the whole teachings, which is very, uh, very good. You will have to go to the first episode. I'm going to tell you which ones to go to, uh, starting with the number one and what format you need to follow to get all the teachings on spiritual obesity. So I will tell you that, you know, I have to remind myself because I forget sometimes at the end of the show about how to what uh, numbers and what shows all together to listen to to get the whole gist of spiritual obesity. You do not want to miss that. Okay. I talked about a lot of things through the whole series, a, a lot of information I gave uh, with uh, Bible scriptures and Bible verses and stuff like that about how, how did the church become so spiritually overweight. Now, there's no way I can definitely pinpoint when it all started. I can go as far as, as the Apostles' Creed and Apostles' Doctrine and then Paul's teaching and stuff like that, but I have no idea. But I know Satan had planted a seed thousands of years ago, uh, before the Reformation with Martin Luther, thousands of years ago, before then, he planted a seed uh, to... Uh, wipe out or darken or mislead people away from the teachings of the Apostle Paul. I have no doubt about that because he got bamboozled, hoodwinked the bamboozled to keep people away from the, the teaching of sound doctrine which is for the church today, the body of Christ, the, apostle, the teachings of the Apostle Paul and his 13 letters, Romans through Philemon. Now before I get started, I want you to understand, you must go back to the previous Shows to see where I'm going with this. If you're just tuning in, you're not going to get the majority of of the meat that I have been teaching on the show. And that's important. Uh, each podcast, you must uh, uh, listen to them one at a time. They are very long podcasts, and I've done it purposely because there's just so much information in them. They're all the podcasts that I've done, I believe, is over an hour, 10, 20, 30 minutes sometimes, but they're over an hour. So out of the 15 podcasts, you probably got a little bit over close to 14 or 15 hours of content, but it's very well content. There's so much content you can make a CD out of, a CD series if I could, you know, I could. But what I want to do, I just want you to, I'm just going to try to keep doing it into some type of package so you can get all the information and stuff like that. But I can have over 15, I, I know I miscount sometimes, but it's over 15 or 16 episodes of spiritual obesity. Now, I did not plan to go that long. I went 10 with the physical obesity, the, uh, the, high, uh, the high protein, high fat, low carb diet series. The spiritual obesity, I didn't know I was going to go that long, but it's just so much meat and so much explaining to the new and old listeners, the saved and the unsaved that can understand it without, you know, being spiritually dead. And because uh, I know some content, the spiritual contents of the word of God, the unsaved just cannot comprehend because they are spiritually dead. It need to be spiritually discerned according to the Bible. OK, so I try to keep that going. But my point is, that's why I put emphasis and I, I want you to go back to the previous uh, podcasts right under this and skip the one before this, because I, I kind of 
I talked about something else about America. Not that one, but go skip over that and go to the previous 14 or 15 after that for my new listeners. Okay. All right. Uh, the Apostle Paul. Now, remember I was talking about this too. There was two programs in the Bible. There's two Gospels. Well, there's more than two Gospels. There's about four Gospels. And I'm not talking about the Gospel, the history of Jesus' earthly ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are just Gospel history about the earthly ministry of Jesus. I'm talking about the Gospel of salvation, uh, of the different ways of getting saved. Now, the four Gospels that's mentioned in the Bible, uh, especially the King James Bible, is the Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven, Jesus' earthly ministry, Apostle Paul, I mean the Apostles and the Twelve Apostles, Peter, John, and James and the Twelve Apostles, the Messianic Kingdom, that was the Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven. They had to believe who Jesus was. Okay, I have, it's important that I go over this again. They had to believe who Jesus was. You know, the salvation for the gospel of when Jesus, John the Baptist came on the scene preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was just opening the doors for Jesus Christ because the Messiah came and John baptized him and everything like that. The dove came in the form of the Holy Spirit came in the form of, of, of a dove over Jesus and everything like that. The king arrived. Now, this is under the kingdom program. Listen, listen carefully to what I'm saying. Under the kingdom program. Jesus, after that, was teaching the kingdom program, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. The proof you will get out of that is mainly out of the book of Matthew. Out of the book of Matthew, because the, 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 the significance that Jesus was portrayed in the four gospels as king is in Matthew. Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven over 35 times. I counted it myself and everything like that. And then you can Google it or AI it or whatever. He mentioned the kingdom of heaven over 35 times. I got it marked out from my Bible or more. Okay. Because he we started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of DIC. He came as the Messianic Jewish king, the prophesied king that was prophesied by the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all through the Old Testament, all through the prophets. You know, even Moses prophesied the coming. Jesus mainly prophesied after the death, after the uh, the fall of man. Jesus was prophesied as becoming the Messiah, and this was the Messiah that the Jewish uh, kingdom was looking for to set up their kingdom. Okay, they were they was looking for that. All right. So when Jesus came on the earth, that was the fulfillment of the coming king. I'm trying to make this very plain. That was the Jewish fulfillment of their coming king. But the majority of Israel, mainly the leaders, did not accept him. They 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 didn't believe he was the Messiah. And then the little flock, mainly, especially the twelve 
had no idea that Jesus was dying on the cross. They was, it was hidden in God. They did not know that until after the cross. See, it was hidden from them. Even though it was prophesied in the book of Isaiah and books like that about the sacrifice of Jesus, they did not know he was going to die on the cross. Because if they knew, let me just tell you this, if Peter and them and all of them knew that Jesus would have been, was going to be sacrificed on a cross, they would have been more prepared. They would have been there even waiting for him to be resurrected at his grave if they knew. But God kept him hidden in that hidden from them. If they knew Jesus was going to die on the cross, let's give an example of Peter. Peter wouldn't have rebuked Jesus about when he talked about his death. That, told, that should tell the readers that they was blind to it. They had no idea about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why they scattered. They was afraid. That's why they cried there. They was hurt. They did not believe it. And a lot of them went out and unbelief, not only Thomas. Thomas get a bad rap for calling Doubting Thomas, but all of the disciples doubted and ran away from Jesus. Even when they came for him at the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples scattered. John, I think, was one of them that ran so fast, or Peter, one of them ran so fast, they ran, they, they clothes was pulled off. My point is, they didn't even know. They was blind about the crucifixion and the, uh, what happened with Jesus. So my point is, when Jesus came on earth and under the kingdom of heaven program, okay, before the crucifixion, before the earthly ministry, the message for salvation, when he came on earth, first of all, they had to believe that he was their promised Messiah, Israel. Israel, the Jews, leaders and all, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, they had to believe that Jesus was their, that coming prophesied Messiah, the Messiah that was foretold. They had to believe that for salvation, see. Now, that, didn't, that, didn't, that don't mean the law was not in place because the, under the four Gospels, they were still under the law. They were still under the covenant. They still had to do sacrificial sacrifices and stuff like that. But when Jesus came on earth, it became more powerful that started going to the priest for the sacrifices when it came to salvation. The way to be saved was believing who Jesus was. Now, before that, forgiveness of sins was only met by sacrificial blood by the Jews. They didn't have to believe who Jesus was because he hasn't set foot on earth yet. Yes, they was they believed that Messiah was coming, but they were still kind of blind in a gray area on that. But they didn't have to believe who the Levites was. They didn't have to believe none of that. They just had to make a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, what the Levites did. They had to take it to the high priest, the Levites, and the Levites put it on the altar, etc. The burnt offerings, the sin offerings, and stuff like that. But when Jesus came on the scene, the, the messianic fulfillment started. So instead of just doing all that, you know, salvation, Remember, remember, the Jews can never get saved just, just following the law and obeying the law because no man was able to do that. Remember that. The law was never there for salvation. 
The only way they could be saved if they just obeyed the law without any blemish, without any sins. And no man was able to do that, you know, but Jesus when he came on the earth under, <clears throat> you know, before the king, even all the way back from the Mosaic to the church of the wilderness and all that. But when Jesus came on the scene, they had, this is their salvation right there. Jesus was a way for them to be saved, but they had to believe who he was. Jesus told them, if you don't believe that I am he, in the book of John, you, John, you will die in your sins. See, you will die in your sins. Before that, they had to do those sacrifices and get their sins cleansed. But through Jesus, Jesus was the promised king and Messiah. That's why he was able to say, your sins are forgiven and the Pharisees did not like that. How can they say the only ones that could forgive sins was God? They was going back with the sacrifices that they had to bring to the Levite priest for God to accept them and forgive them of their sins. So when this man named Jesus came and started telling a few of them, your sins are forgiven, he was proclaiming himself to be God. And they did not like that. He also told me, you got to believe who I am for to be saved. You have to believe in me. You have to believe who I am. Now, this is only to Israel. So when Jesus came on earth, another shift came when it came to salvation. They just had to believe who Jesus was. See, now Peter and them believed that they didn't have to be baptized in war and stuff like that. Why? Because they dug, got all that done through John the Baptist. So they didn't have to go through that. They just had to fulfill believing who Jesus was. They didn't have to go back and be baptized in water, which was a requirement for Israel, the Jews at that time. They just had to believe who Jesus was. See, John done a baptizing, preparing them to be priests. He was preparing them for the new covenant, not the old He's preparing them to be priests. You follow what I'm saying? That's why all of them had to be uh, baptized in water. Now, it was always water baptism, but it was just called uh, cleansing in a different uh, different time back in the times of Moses. So it was always baptism for priests, but it was mainly the weight of the Levites. John was preparing them to getting them set up for the new covenant, which is going to be the millennium kingdom, the thousand year millennium kingdom. OK, so he was preparing the Jews for that. That's why he baptized them in order to spiritually cleanse them. The king came on earth, but the majority of Israel, 95 percent of Israel did not accept him. Only a little flock. That's what that name called. Jesus called them the little flock, the ones Peter and the 12 and the other ones that followed him, the little flock. Remember, there was only 120 that met him in the upper room after thousands and thousands followed him. And most of them just wanted to see miracles and wanted to eat. So but only 120 wind up in the upper room. They turned their back on Jesus, especially when he got sacrifice, especially when he got killed. They ran away, even the disciples. Peter denied them three times. Oh, you know, they just ran away from him. You know, they left him alone. You see what I'm saying? So, they had to believe. Now, that's not saying they didn't believe who Jesus was, but it is saying that they was doubting. They started doubting when he got killed, when he got sacrificed. Why? Because they was blind about that. They thought he was going to be right there and set up the kingdom then. So they was missing out on a lot of things. That's why they ran. Because when he got killed, they was blind. They, they wasn't expecting that. They was expecting him to overthrow Rome and take over and start the kingdom then. That's how much 
and the dark they was because God kept it hidden from them. Now, when we seen movies, all of that was never explained. Why did they cry? Why were they so much in torture? Why did Peter and them hide from them? Why they were so hurt? If they knew Jesus was going to be sacrificed, it's mentioned in the book of Psalms, but all that was blind to them. If they knew Jesus was going to die on the cross, they would have been prepared. They would have met him by the tomb and everything. They were not saying they wouldn't have been hurt, but they knew he would have came back. And, you know, the tribulation. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. Tribulation would have started then. The seven-year tribulation would have started and Jesus would have returned and done his thing. The Antichrist still would have came because all that is prophesied and Jesus would have set up his millennium kingdom then. Okay? That's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. But God. But now, but God. Now you think about this. That's beautiful for the Jews. But what if... uh? Uh, what if they did believe? Now see, now just say what if God already knew they wouldn't because he foreknows. But what, just think about it, and it's kind of scary in a way. What if they did believe? What if they, if the Jews would have accepted Jesus, Jesus still would have to die on the cross. Then he still would have to die on the cross as a sacrificial lamb, see? What would have happened if they obeyed them? That's the leaders and mostly Israel would have accepted Jesus as their Messiah. This would have, would have happened. The whole program would have went straight through. What I mean by that, Jesus would have died. He would have went up to the heavens. The seven-year tribulation would have started. The Antichrist and all that would have still started, you know. It would have went through the seven years. Jesus would have came back the same way, wiped out all the enemies and everything, set set up his millennium kingdom. It would have went straight through until the fullness of times, the new heaven and earth and stuff like that. So it wouldn't would the program of the messianic program and the new covenant, New Testament would have went all the way through. But that did not happen. Now, since they did not believe who he was. See, God postponed their plan. Listen to me closely. God postponed, or I like to say put it on pause. 
didn't destroy or annihilate it. He postponed, postponed their plan. See, he knew ahead of time. He postponed their plan. Now you go into the book of Acts. When Jesus ascended and uh, the last chapter of the book of Luke, remember when you go to the book of Acts and they asked Jesus, Jesus at this time, when Jesus came back and they asked him, they ate with him and everything, and they came back and said, at this time, are you going to set up the kingdom now? See? Because that's what they was expecting all the time. The the twelve and the little flock was never looking to go to heaven. They was always looking to have a heaven on earth, the kingdom. They ne- the, the Jews in the past and in the wilderness never talked about going to heaven. Their heaven was the kingdom being set up on earth. There was a never going to heaven talk when it came to the Jewish people. If you read your Bible, you will see that. But we was traditionally blinded from that through denominational teachers and everything by proclaiming that we was Israel and, you know, everything was about going to heaven. No, it was not because they got it confused with Paul's teaching. I mean, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, the Jews never looked at to go to heaven. They always looked at them for their kingdom to be on earth. They knew that part. They knew that part. That was the plan. That was the that that's what the Jews was looking for. That was the Jews' future for heaven on earth, the kingdom of heaven program. Okay, and if it wasn't going to heaven, heavenly places. All right. So uh, God postponed that because He knew that by Him knowing the uh, beginning from the end, He knew they was going to go out in unbelief. He knew the Jews was going to be disobedient and go out in unbelief I mean so that's when they call this the like gap that's got a lot of uh, churchgoers and body of Christ confused is that gap why is it a confusion I'm going to try to explain this the best way I can and I might not be accurate on all this but why there is so much confusion and this is a master plan of Satan why is the church so confused? Why is there so many denominations? Why is so much confusion about the rapture and the second coming and how to be saved and stuff like that? See, because of that pause and because of that gap. See, I'm going to read some verses, too. And I'm not going to keep this as long as the other ones. I promise I want because I don't have to keep it that long. The spiritual obesity traditions not the man-made traditions that was added later but the traditional beliefs that that started most denominations believing that they was the uh replacement theology replacement israel i know that started with origin and uh Catholic Church and stuff like that started sneaking in and people started to, uh believing that they was replacement israel okay Replacement Israel. And this is the, I have no doubt this is a master plan of Satan. This is a master plan of Satan. Now, what I mean by that gap. When Jesus died on the cross, see, he died for the sins of many. The, uh, the gospel said he died for the sins of many. Those many was the ones who believed who he was. Israel. 
Those are the many. He died for the many. I thought he died for the world. We're going to get to that later. I know you're talking about John 3, 16. But when he died, see, that's future tense. They didn't know nothing about that. He died for the many, which was Israel on that cross. See, now, Jesus all plan, God's plan and Jesus' plan was always for the whole world. But it was never revealed to the little flock or the twelve. It was never revealed to them. Jesus also did not tell them that. That's why he didn't explain. It's only for God to let you know what's going to go on. He did not let them know that. That was hidden. That was a mystery. That was hidden only in God. God knew that before the world, before even creation, before Adam and all that. God knew that. He had what I'm going to bring up coming up later already hidden in him. Check this out. So, and study them going all the way through the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus going to the heavenly places, then he coming back after the seven year tribulation to reign to reign to set up the millennium kingdom on earth. That did not happen. That was postponed. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you when it was postponed. Now when Jesus died on the cross, and he said it is finished. What he meant by it is finished, it is finished that everybody's sins was on him, but it was never revealed to the little flock or Israel or nobody else then. It was not revealed to them about how or who or what this means because they was blind. They was confused. When Jesus said it is finished, they didn't have no idea what he was talking about. I have no doubt they had no idea. I'm talking about the Jews now. Peter and all of them had no idea, Mary, none of them, of what he really meant when he said it is finished. See, when we used to read the Bible, did we really understand that? A lot, most of us did not. That been going to church for years, including myself, when because there was not a lot of emphasis put on preaching Jesus saying, you didn't hear many sermons about him saying it is finished. They had allegorical type of preaching and ideas, but the significance, what he said, it is finished, was never revealed to Israel. We should have known in a modern world, but it was never revealed to Israel. Okay. All right. So when Jesus died, and they was belling and all that and everything like that. He rose the third day. They were still in unbelief. Even when uh, Mary came back and told him she seen Jesus when he was out of the grave, they still doubted. They still doubted her. I think part of it had to be because she was a woman too. You know, she wasn't no apostle, wasn't one of them. I guess they, some of them felt, hey, if Jesus is going to come back, he would at least let us know we was his followers. Now, I'm just speculating now, but I, I believe it had a little prejudice towards women there, and he didn't come to the apostles. I could be wrong. But I'm just saying that I, it probably did. But they, then the other scriptures, I think John is the, is the book that shows Peter and John ran to the tomb, and John outran Peter to the tomb. Now, why did it say that? I, I don't know. I just look at Peter as big and kind of husky. <clears throat> Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, John, I ran into the tomb. But he didn't go in. Peter was the one that went in there. The same one that betrayed him. 
he was the one that went up in there. Then you talk about the story how Jesus was telling how uh, Peter was going to die. Then he had to rebuke Peter because Peter was worried about what was going to happen to John. And Jesus, in a paraphrase, in the way that I'm saying, uh, said, don't worry about what's going to happen to John. And blah, 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 blah. I believe Jesus said that because John wound up writing the book of Revelation. Okay. But my point is, after all that, this is after Jesus came back. See, this is after Jesus came back. And he wasn't really fully glorified yet. And they had fish with him and everything like that. And they asked him, he's going to come back and set up the kingdom and everything like that in Acts 1 and 1. Starting in the book of Luke, Acts 1 and 1. Are you, going to, is, are you not going to return to set up the kingdom? They was looking for their kingdom. And Jesus said, that's only for the Father to know, blah, 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 and stuff like that. Okay? All right. Okay. <clears throat> now. This is when the postponement started. God still gave them another chance. He did not postpone it yet. Let me tell you, going through the book of Acts, when they went out ministry, see, they, this was the supposed to be the start of the Great Commission. Go out to, uh, what's that? Go out to Israel, Judah, and whatever like that, uh, Samaria, and then to the outermost uh, parts of the world. They never made it to the Gentile nation. Let me just put it that way. Only one made it to the Gentile nation was Apostle Paul. Uh, Peter and them never went to the Gentile nations. I'm going to get to that right now, uh, later. But anyway, they, the book of Acts, the apostles, went out preaching what? The kingdom. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, Acts 2. They have to wait. I'm sorry. Till the day of Pentecost. The comforter which the King James Bible calls the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And once the promised comforter came, which is the Holy Spirit, he infilled them with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they needed the, they needed that type of power to go out to the world. One of them was speaking in different languages. They could not do that without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They wasn't filled yet. Remember, back then, the Holy Spirit came off and on. He went in them and came out. Went in them and came out. Back then, in the past, the Holy Spirit wasn't sealed in them. They can, that's why David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He know the Holy Spirit could up and leave and, and, gr and be grieved. You know, not like us today that are sealed. At that time, the Holy Spirit can leave them. See? Just like the left Saul, the, not... Paul, but Saul, king, Saul, the first king of Israel, just like the left film, the Holy Spirit came and went then, see, the day of Pentecost was the same way the Holy Spirit came down on them and filled them, the evidence, one of the evidence was speaking in different languages, the King James Bible say tongues, and why did they have to speak with languages? Because there was a day of Jubilee and the different Jews was coming from the different nations that they were scattered around at, and they only knew those nations' language. Therefore, when the Jews spoke in their language, they was able to understand what they were saying. That's only that was that's the only reason the gift of tongues was for. Nothing just to make you feel good and not a lot of gibberish. It was just another language, a language of angels, another. It was just another language or whatever nation that was from. That's all the gifts of tongues was. So they was given that in power. It was promised to them by Jesus and Mark, I think, what's that, Mark 16? That he, that when he told them that when you go out in the world, you will have to do this. You will be speaking new tongues. You will pick up surface and everything. Those that believe shall be blind. Those that believe what? Believe who Jesus was. 
Mark 16 and 16. That was the great commission. That was the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. And all the way up to at the Pentecost, the church continued, not started. Let me get this straight. It was not, the church was not started in Acts 2. It was not started. It's just the apostles fulfilled it because Jesus was resurrected now. See? So he left the starting of their church to the apostles and the leaders became Peter, James, and John. That's why you hear their name more than any other apostles. Once in a while you might hear Philip or whatever like that, but main, the main three names you hear through the Gospels and that also made books. The book of James, 1st and 2nd, 3rd, 4th of John and the Revelation of John, and 1st and 2nd Peter. Those are the pillars of the apostles. Peter, James, and John. Those are the main apostles you hear in the Gospels and Acts, early Acts, okay? So through after Pentecost, they had the power now. They had the gall to go out there and try to get out through Jerusalem. First of all, they had to go to their own first and teach their own who Jesus was. See, it was revealed to them then, Jesus, you know, why Jesus had to die. So they was preaching uh, the kingdom of heaven. The message became repent for the remission of your sins. Acts in 238, gospel salvation. Repent for the remission of your sins. Be baptized in water and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. That format was the way of salvation for Israel under the kingdom program. When Peter preached the death, burial, resurrection, he didn't preach it for salvation like Paul. He preached it as an indictment against Israel because they killed their own Messiah. They was persecuted. They persecuted their own Messiah. He preached of death, burial, resurrection. The few times he mentioned it for an indictment, not for salvation. Now I'm talking about Peter now. Not for salvation, for an indictment. Many people are confused on that. That's why they, some people believe, say Peter and Paul preached the same thing, believing in Jesus. What he didn't know, no. Peter never preached the gospel of grace because it hasn't started. It hasn't started yet. It haven't started yet. It wasn't even fruition way yet. It was still the kingdom program to Israel. They never made it out to the Gentile nations. Never did. Their message was always believe who Jesus was, be baptized in water for the kingdom of heaven, or you know the kingdom of heaven is at hand or stuff like that. Believe that Jesus was their king because it wasn't at hand no more because their king already came. Error on my part. Okay, so they always had the, a condition conditional works way for salvation because they were still under the law. It was still Old Testament. The, the, they was going towards the New Testament. See, they was going towards the New Covenant, not out of the law period, but it was it was transitioning to the New Covenant. That's what the book of Hebrews and everything like that and James, they prepared themselves for the New Testament. See, the old was going to fade away. See, but at that time, when Jesus died, that was like the beginning to set up the New Testament. If, if the tribulation would have started, Jesus would have came back. That's the New Covenant. That's the New Testament. See, no more older would have been the New Testament. They never made it that far. They never made it that far. Now, they went through all the way to Acts until you got to Acts 7, the stoning of Stephen. 
when they stoned Stephen, that was just like blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's like a final strike. They disobeyed God in the earlier. They killed their Messiah. That was strike two. The final strike blasphemed against the Holy Spirit when they went out in disbelief and then believed the works of the Holy Spirit, which is God. That's when God postponed it in Acts 7, which is explained in Romans, I think 9, Romans 11, I believe. It was postponed, okay? Acts 7, when they stoned Stephen, that was the final strike. See? And that's where this is where the confusion is coming in when it comes to doctrine and denominationalism. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa. And like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world, and now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. People are confused. After Stephen was stoned, the Jews scattered. Not the 12, but the Jews scattered out of fear again. And the 12 stayed because they knew they had to finish up the Great Commission to go out to all of the worlds, but they never made it. They never made it. The postponement started after Acts 7. That was the final strike. You go to Acts 8, it talks about Philip and the different things like that. You know, little by little, Peter is starting to fade. Then you go to Acts 9, which I'm going to read right now. This is the beginning of starting the transitional change from the kingdom to grace. Right here. Let me read. Let's go to Acts 9. And I'm going to finish up here. And uh, I'm going to just do a little extra, maybe another time on this. But I have to finish up this this uh, series because I want to start something else to talk about that's very important as well. Acts 9 reads like this. Now, this is after the stoning of uh, Stephen in Acts 7. That was the final strike. They disobeyed too many times. See, disobeyed the father. When it gets the father... They killed the son. Now they disobeyed the Holy Spirit. That's strike three. The program of the kingdom program was paused and stopped. It went into, talked about a little bit about Philip and stuff like that. But if you read Acts 8, you can kind of see a change in the way 
of being saved a little bit. You can see a little bit of that in Acts 10 with the conversion of Cornelius in Acts 10, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Now, this is Acts 9. This is the conversion of Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Remember, Saul, for the ones that know, is also Paul. They wrote the 13 letters. Saul is his Jewish name because he was Jewish from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul, which is Paulus, is his Roman name, okay? Because he's a Roman citizen, all right? So, but it stands up for Saul. Acts 9, and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Now, remember, Saul was also mentioned in Acts 7. See, let's, let's, let me go back there, Acts 7. Let me just... All right. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Give me time here at the end of Act 7. All right. Uh, okay. Let's start at... I'm not... Because this, this is one of the longest songs by Stephen. All right. 38. All right. Let's go to 57. And they cried out with a loud voice and stomped their ears. Now, this is after Stephen said this. Stephen, being full of the, let's go to 55, Acts uh, 7 and 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, this is after they stoned him. This is very closely. This is very strong and powerful. And a lot of us just read this and go right over it. Stephen in Acts 8, 7 55, and he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. Another thing you need to pay attention to when the Bible said full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost was working with power then. Not like he's with us today. He don't work that way through us. He's more like a comforter, a director in the spirit. But then he worked with power. They, they spoke boldly when they was full with the Holy Spirit. When they was filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke with power and was only able to do those miracles and signs and wonders and speak with language when they was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see? Okay, I want you to understand that when the Bible, King James says, filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Holy Spirit ministry was different in the kingdom program than it is today. Very important to understand that. X. 755, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, this is Stephen now, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, why is uh, it's important about Jesus standing? Excuse me. Because if you look through the scriptures, uh, the majority of the time, Jesus is sitting. And I think was, I forgot what it was. Les Feldick talked about that real well. I think somewhere in Acts was it Acts sixty something. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look back on that. I forget. But he believed, and I heard someone else say this as well. The only time Jesus is standing that he's getting prepared to come back, but that never happened. See, and it's almost like he's at a standstill. He's ready to come back, but I. After unbelief, he never came back. That's speculation now. How true that is, I don't know, but it makes a good point. And they saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens open. Here we go again. And the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice. Now, traditional belief, I know I was taught their way. 
used to teach us or I heard them say the only the reason Jesus was standing, he was welcoming in Stephen and the heavenly places. And that's the traditional belief that I was told and many others probably and, um, you know, denominationalism that was going on. See, but right now I don't believe is that I believe, you know, what I believe the theory that Jesus was standing because he was getting ready to come back if they would have believed him. This was the final call. If they would have believed him, Jesus was standing to come back, not to receive Stephen. Now, yes, yeah, Stephen was going to heaven, but that's, that wasn't the reason Jesus was standing. Let's keep going. All right, let's go to 57. Then they cried out, who, who cried out the Jewish leaders out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Now, see, this was explained to me. Now, look at this. Why? Would they go off and have a fit and go after Stephen and cover their ears and beat him and stone him just because he said Jesus is standing on the right hand of God? Now, there's many ways to look at this because they already didn't want to accept Jesus as their king and Messiah. That's part of it. You know, it's different ways that theologians and grace teachers look at this. You know, I'm not going to go there because I'm not sure, but I will lean more towards because they know this is a uh, fulfilled scripture, meaning the only reason Jesus is standing, that means he's coming back. And they didn't want to hear that because anytime Jesus is standing according to uh, certain ver uh, certain scriptures in the Bible, he's standing, he's coming back with the wrath. He's coming back for vengeance. This is like his second coming. He would have came back, not before the seven year tribulation, of course, because that, that still had to happen. So many grace teachers believe Jesus was standing because he was getting prepared or getting set up to come back. How accurate they, that is, I don't know, but it makes a good point. I lean more towards their way, but, you know, it can be something else. OK, 58 said, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man. This is the first mentioning of Saul who became later Paul. Clothes was at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. See, Saul was one of the top dogs of the Pharisees. The, he, was, he even said he was the Pharisees of the Pharisees. Chief of the sinners. That's what he called himself in Timothy. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This is what Stephen was saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And Stephen, and he kneeled down, Stephen that is, and cried out with a loud voice. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Lay not this sin to their charge, because they done it out of ignorance. Sounds familiar too, when Jesus is on the cross. What Jesus tell, ask God, his father to do. Lay not this against them. Don't, don't charge this against them. So I believe that uh, many people believe that's why he extended them because God would have put down his wrath then. But by Jesus begging God, don't lay that on them because they know not what they do. That's what Jesus said. It was out of ignorance. So God did not come down on him. There's God's patience and mercy because he, they done it out of ignorance, even the cross. So God, but if they knew, God would have wiped them out. But he knew they knew it out of ignorance and Jesus took up for them. Stephen doing the same thing. Lay not that this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Fell asleep in the King James Bible, meaning he died. Okay. Now, we're going through, let's go to Acts 9. This is the first uh, showing of the beginning of the transition from the kingdom program to grace program. The kingdom program, uh, 
uh, from the 12 apostles, Peter and the 12, going into transition to Saul, which is going to become Paul in Acts 13, the grace program, which we are under now, okay? Verse 9, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, remember this way means what? Do you remember this, what the way means? The way means the followers of Jesus. See, the followers of Jesus, these are the kingdom believers. Anyone that's following, that's saying Jesus is their Messiah and King, because the Pharisees didn't believe that. They didn't accept him as being their king and Messiah. So they was after the ones, whoever was preaching that, they need to be persecuted because this is the time of persecution for the kingdom church, not the body of Christ because the body of Christ wasn't formed yet. It wasn't fruition yet. See? So if he found Saul was persecuting, it was told by the leaders, if he found any of this way, the kingdom uh, Jews, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him about him a light from heaven. He got halted right there. Let me continue reading. Verse 4, Acts 9 and 4, And he fell on the earth. Earth means he fell on the dirt. Earth means dirt. And he fell down to the only dirt and dirt, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 5, and he said, who out there, Lord, or who out there, Jehovah? See, Lord Jehovah. He know uh, who that was. Who out there, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Remember, the pricks mean that's a point and something sharp. It's like a pointed edge. When you kick a prick against it or hit up against it, all, you got, all you're doing is hurting yourself. It's like a point. It's like a sharp point, something like that. Look up prick. I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Paul explained that later on down the line and stuff like that in later chapters of Acts. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, listen to this. See, I want you to listen to this because many people think that Peter was the one, first one that was going out to the Gentiles, but he wasn't. That was just God showing Peter that a transition was happening. Paul was the only one who went out preaching to the Gentiles, and his gospel was not the same as when he preached to the Jews. Whenever Paul went to the synagogues, he did not preach the grace program. He preached them believing who the Messiah was because it was a Jewish gospel. They, the Jews had to still believe who Jesus was before they can believe what Jesus did for them. They had to believe who he was first. So whenever Paul went to synagogues and, and taught the Jews, it was not the grace gospel. He only done that to the Gentiles because they was a different group of people. Okay. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Okay. All right. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Verse 8, Acts 9 and 8. And Saul arose from the earth, or gathered from the ground, or the dirt. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. 9. And he was three days without sight. He was blind for three days. Neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple, verse 10, 
at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here. Now he's talking to Ananias now, okay? Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, Ananias, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayed. Now he's telling Ananias. Now check out what uh, Ananias say after this. This is funny. It's funny. It's kind of hilarious, but that's the goofiness in me. He told Ananias to go out for Saul of Tarsus and behold he prayed. Now remember Saul was a vicious man. Saul was cold blooded. He persecuted the kingdom church. See he was killing. He had people killed and had people put in prison. I'm not so much he killed them but he had. He's still just as guilty. He had them killed and prosecuted and put in prison. See now listen to this. He said I want you to go to Saul and what happened? This is what happened with Saul. Verse 12 and had seen in a vision a man Saul had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, laying his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Verse 13 Acts and 13 Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Ananias was scared and I don't blame him. Man, you would have been scared too because Saul was vicious. Saul was vicious. It's just like you're going to the Antichrist. <laughs> so, uh, and I said, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, Lord. I, I heard many bad things about this brother. This brother, man. I mean, it was a lot of bad, evil things that this joker done. And you want me to go to him? That's almost like what Ananias was saying. Verse 14 said, And here he had authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. In other words, you want me to go to this man, this killer Saul. And he had about the high priest the authority. I don't know if it was Caiaphas or whatever. He by the high or Annas or Caiaphas, and by the high he got the authority by the high priest to bind all those and bind means to catch them and chain them up and put them in prison. They call on thy name. Who name? Jesus name. See, remember Jesus is talking to Ananias. Now it doesn't say in a vision or whatever like that. Uh, yes, yeah, it does say in, the, in some way, but was he talking within Ananias or right in front of him? The Bible does not say. You know, but he was Ananias heard him. He was talking through his spirit in an audible voice. It could be through an audible voice. I don't know. And here had authority from the chief priest to bind him all that call on this name. <clears throat> but this is what Jesus said to him. And I'm going to stop here. But the Lord said to him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. In other words, I called him for this special reason. Now he finna explain what he called him for, this chosen vessel to me, to bear my name before the Gentiles. See, now listen to that. Now many people today was tradition, I know you, uh, I use that, that, that name tradition a lot, but I do it on purpose. Because this is part of the spiritual obesity uh, traditional Mess dogma. Many churches and many church goers always believe that Jesus just went around healing and preaching to everyone. Most people don't know the difference between Gentiles and Jews. If this verse contradicts that, and many verses contradict that belief a lot, because Jesus just didn't go out to everybody teaching them. It was a few exceptions. In Jesus' earthly ministry. Now, let me be fair. It was two exceptions. 
the Canaanite woman in uh, Matthew 15 and 24 and a Roman centurion. Those were the two Gentiles that Jesus helped out because of their faith. But other than that, everything else was Jews. So it was an exception with those two, the Roman centurion, and because his servant was a Jew, the Roman centurion. And the Canaanite woman in uh, Matthew 50, 24, the, four, those are two exceptions of Gentiles. Okay. But further than that, it was always Jews because Jews had to be cleansed and they had to be prepared for a priest to go out into the world. But it all, Jesus always led them to Jerusalem, told them about Jerusalem first before they made it out to the other world because they had to be cleansed first, but they never made it that far. Now, this is a contradiction here. If you believe Jesus went out to the world, with the gospel kingdom message, this contradicts what you believe. See, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles. See, why would he mention to bear my name before the Gentiles if he was already ministering to the Gentiles before he died? We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. See the contradiction there? That tells you he was not. He was not called. That's why he told the, the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, 24, he called them a dog. He called them, remember that? When she talked about the crumbs on the table, he was the crumbs on the table falling off the table was for and the dogs ate it and Jesus admired that. She understood that the plan was for Israel. She understood that the only way, whether they was proselyted or what they had to believe, they had to go through Israel and uh, the God of the Jews. They, she understood that God was the God of the Jews at that time, the many. That Canaanite woman understood that that's why Jesus uh, healed, healed her because in that way, uh, because of her faith, she knew the program. She knew the trajectory. She knew the program. And Jesus said, wow, boom, and healed her, you know. All right. Now, let me continue. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. You see the reverse order? Gentiles, 
and kings and the children of Israel. Gentiles and the Gentile kings and the children of Israel. Who wind up last? The children of Israel. Now, Matthew 16 and 16, uh, Mark and the book of Matthews, who do they say go to first under the kingdom program? Who? Jew, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world, the Gentiles was last. Now, under this ministry, Jesus is telling Paul who to go to first, the Gentiles. You see the reverse? Under the kingdom program, Peter and the 12 had to go to the Jews first. But under the grace program, God is telling Paul to go to the Gentile first. You see the beauty and the reverse of that? This is going to be good. 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I'm going to stop there. I'm going to do one more of this. A few more verses in scripture. So, and then I'm going to just break it all down and explain why uh, it's so much spiritual obesity in the church. See, because many people in the church ignore these verses. Now, I'm going to leave out an Acts 9 and uh, what's that? 9 and 15. See, I want you to remember that. When he told Saul he would be going out to the Gentiles. He told Ananias that's what you're going to do, leave Saul to go out to the Gentiles. Remember the contradiction that many people believe that Jesus was just healing everybody in the world. No, he was not. Jesus did not even go outside of Jerusalem. He only healed 90.9.3% of Israel excluding those exceptions, the Roman centurion and the Canaanite woman because this program, the many, was for Jerusalem to get their prepared first so they can get their kingdom set up and go out into the world, the Great Commission, but it never happened. It was paused. It was postponed. Okay? This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. You're getting Bible study that usually what I don't give only on connecting the dots. But this is kind of so much basic that even an unbeliever will understand and open up your heart to be saved. You never probably, you probably never, that don't make no sense. You probably never heard this type of teaching before like this. But it's basically the Bible. This is called rightly dividing. I don't like to keep using dispensational teaching. No, this is rightly divided because I think that's been used out of context too much. It almost sounds like an occult. I understand dispensation just means a different program, a different administration. You got to look at the way and the meaning, the way Paul meant it to be. Don't get caught up in the name so much. It's more importantly to understand how to rightly divide. It's more important to understand why you use the name dispensation. Use it in context. Use it correctly. Don't just be wearing it out. See? When the Larkins and the C.I. Schofield talked about the seven dispensations, there was a man traditional way they looked at it. Was it wrong? No, it wasn't wrong, but it wasn't in the Bible. It's just it's just showing what uh, explanation of different ways and different administrations God used different times. The only time dispensation, the word itself was used was only from the, by the Apostle Paul three or four times in the King James Bible. Other translations, I'm sure they say secret, which means the same thing. So I don't want you to get caught up on that dispensation name and God don't want us caught up on that name. It sounds like a denomination. 
and we need to stop getting caught up on that dispensation name. People that go against dispensationalists, even though they tear it up, they so caught up on the name, not understanding what the grace teachers are trying to say because they use that name so much, sometimes out of context. So I'd rather say rightly dividing, you know, or reading the Bible through context with a certain, knowing the difference between exegesis and exegesis, you know, rightly dividing the word of God. When you come to Paul's gospel, when the dis, when he mentions dispensation, you need to break it down what he means in the King James Bible. Ministration, management, program, you know, different things like that, even serving at times, how he used it. So we don't want to get caught up in that. But my point is, this is the importance of rightly dividing God's word. So you got a problem with dispensation, then you got a problem with Paul's teachings. Like a lot of people do, if you got a problem with that word, okay? But it is a Bible word in the King James Bible. You know, all right. It's important to know this. These This transition starting in Acts 9, going from uh, Acts 7 from Stephen to Acts 9, this is of vital importance. This, these uh, chapters you must read slowly. And get let the Holy Spirit, if you are saved, to guide you. Because unsaved, even though some of it is plain, they will not understand the spiritual aspects of it because yes, it needs to be spiritually discerned. Discerned, okay? You must read that with this switch right here. Paul used as a chosen vessel, and Jesus used them to go into the Gentiles. Just that little bit should tell you that Jesus was not going to the Gentiles in the beginning. The, the twelve was not preaching to the Gentiles in the beginning. Then I'll tell you, that was never happening. That wasn't the Jews' program. The, this was something new to Paul. Saul. His name didn't, he didn't become Paul to Acts 13. His name, they started calling him Paul in Acts 13. It wasn't changed. He always had the name, but they started calling him Paul in Acts 13. See, so that's why I start right there. Then I'm going to end it with a few more verses that uh, to show that the two churches are different. You know, we are under the grace program, not the kingdom program. We've been under Paul's teachings and under Jesus' heavenly ministry, or I could just say Jesus' heavenly ministry using Paul. See, to to teach us the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20 and 24. Okay, God bless you all. Remember. The only way to be saved today is believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. Matter of fact, let's go there. This is the gospel message. And I know I say this a lot, but let's just read it. There's nothing like read it out of the, the word of God. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Boom, right there. Look at that. This is the gospel for the day. This is the gospel to be saved for the whole world. There's no other gospel today. You don't you cannot get saved at Acts 2 and 38 or John 3:16 or anything in the four gospels. There's, there's no salvation message for us today under in the four gospels. See, that's a different gospel. See. Okay. All right. This is the gospel believers 
pay attention. But who I want to pay attention to more is if you're not a believer, if you're not saved, this is the way to be saved. I, 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 I explain many times you don't have to worry about your sins. So you should know that by now. According to 1 Corinthians 5 and 19, God is not imputing, uh, imputing trespasses against no one. See, Jesus took care of that on the cross, penalty-wise, see. So the sins is not the issue. It's your belief. This is the way to be saved. This is the way to be righteous with God. This is the way to be justified with God. This is the way to be glorified with God and the future for redemption for your new immortal bodies for salvation. This is the only way. Not you being forgiven. You can't go to heaven just being forgiven. You have to believe he done it for you. And this is the way to believe it. This is the gospel of salvation for today. See, go to go to 1 Corinthians 15 if you have your Bible, preferably the King James Bible. Go to Matthew 15, 1, and we're going to read 1 to 4. Then I'm going to close on that. This is the gospel of salvation for today. Let's read it together. Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I don't know what translation you get. It's probably more clearer. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. In other words, Paul said, uh, uh, brethren, this is the gospel. I'm finna explain to you what the gospel is. That's all he's saying. That's all Paul is saying. I'm finna explain to you what the gospel is, okay? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. This is the gospel, which I preached unto you, which I told you about. That's how they got saved. This is the gospel, which also you have received. See, that received is very important. They believed it, and had they proved that they believed it by receiving it. See the difference? They received it, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. You stand right with God because you received it. You believed it, okay? Verse 2, by which also you are saved. In other words, you believed it, you received it, that's why you are saved. That's what he's saying in that. And plainly put, your translation probably say something close to that. And by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached to you, preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, or you just believe for nothing, with emptiness. For I three says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. What did Paul also receive? Not only did he receive the, the message of salvation, he was saved. He received that gospel message also also. also. You know, from the time of Acts 9 or whatever like that. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died. Now, this is the gospel. This is the way to be saved. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, why did he say according to the scriptures? When Christ died on the cross in time past, you know, under the kingdom program. But listen to this. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the way to be saved, believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now check this out. You won't you cannot get saved just believing he died. You cannot be saved just believing Jesus died. You cannot be saved just believing he was buried. You have to believe he rose again. That's the ultimate flag winner right there. His resurrection. That's the finished work. You have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you could believe he was killed, 
You can believe he was buried. And some people, a lot of people start right there. They just don't, don't believe in a resurrection. They think they're going to heaven just believing who he was. That's why you cannot be saved just believing who Jesus was. You got to believe that he rose again for your sins. You have to believe that. You just can't believe that he died. That's why you can't believe who Jesus was. That'll make you saved under this grace period, under this dispensation. You cannot believe, you cannot be get saved just believing who he was when he was alive on earth. That was for Israel. This is a whole new different dispensation, a whole new different program under the teachings of the Apostle Paul, 13 letters. You have to believe the other side of the cross. Same thing, Trace Tracy Les Felding said, it's the other side of the cross. It's the finished work. The only way you can understand what happened is through the finished work. And the only way you're going to get that is through the teachings and the letters of the Apostle Paul, his 13 letters. But the church makes it all together with the Kindle program and all the denominations and people are confused. The gospel is all kind. Then you have your man-made, traditional sinner's prayer gospel, Lord salvation press, you know, lordship salvation type of prayers and stuff like that. I never heard one minister since I understood this preach, uh, quote, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4 for salvation. I never heard it sitting in the tracks or none of that. That's how good Satan kept it hidden from the church, the, the real way of being saved. It's been covered. It's been not read. They read right over it because of the blindness of the kingdom way of being saved and being ignored. This is the way to be saved. Why would Satan want to do that? He don't want you to know how to be saved. And he's done a good job because you don't hear this in the pulpits. You don't hear the gospel salvation this way in the pulpits this verse. You hear the kingdom messages verse, the gospel, John 3, 16, Acts 2 and 38, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and different things like that. I never heard one preacher mention uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, and you haven't either. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. This is the message to be saved. You need to write that down and keep that in your heart. So when you witness as a believer, this is the gospel of salvation. Two uh, scriptures you need to really know as a believer. Explaining that to an unsaved person that they sins have already been forgiven and you must have scriptures to back it up. 2 Corinthians 5 19 and now they can be saved. You must have some scriptures and verses to back it up. And this is another one. First Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. So please write these scriptures down. Second Corinthians 5 and 19 to prove that the whole world's forgiven of their sins and God is not charging sins against the world. You know, and that's not salvation now. That's just forgiveness. That's just to open up the doors. This is salvation. And this is the full package. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4 is the full package. Salvation is just opening up the door. It's just like a business that I'm in right now, online business. And this uh, young lady, Steph Perez, has two programs. One of the programs is called the Blueprint. It's called a Blueprint Program. Now, what's in the Blueprint? The Blueprint is just giving you a format to how to build a digital online program, the format. That's all it gives you, a blueprint. See? It doesn't do it for you. It doesn't make the money for you. It shows you 
the ways to get there and how to do it. It's called a blueprint. It's called the daily money making the machine, a blueprint system, which is $100. Then she has another system, which is called the turnkey program. The turnkey program gives you four membership with all the goodies and trainings and bonuses and the full everything, everything you need to be successful, including different products and stuff that's given to you to produce on a digital, you know, format. You get the whole package, but that package is much higher. It's $500 compared to the blueprint. The blueprint is the way to try to get you to the $500 turnkey program, the key to the door. I'm using it as an allegory, like salvation. Second Corinthians 5.19 is like the blueprint. That's taken care of now. You have that taken care of your sins. So the door has been opened now. Now the way to be saved is 1 Corinthians 15.1-4, which is the turnkey program. That's the program of programs that gives you membership in the kingdom of Heaven, heaven as in the heavenly places, not on earth. See, you understand that analogy? All right, God bless you. And I'm going to leave you with this. You don't have to be forgiven first to be saved. You already have been forgiven. Now you can be saved. God bless you. Love you all. Peace out. Bye-bye. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE.